Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 20. This is the call of Samuel. It says, Now the boy Samuel continued serving the Lord under Eli's supervision. Word from the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were infrequent. Eli's eyes had begun to fail, so that he was unable to see well. And at that time he was lying down in his place, and the lamp of God had not yet been extinguished. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord as well. And the ark of the God was also there. It says, the Lord called to Samuel, and he replied, here I am. And then he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So he went back, and he laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel got up, and he went to Eli, and he said, here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Then the Lord called to Samuel a third time. So he got up and again went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli then realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go back and lie down. When he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood nearby, calling out as he had previously done, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel finally replied, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Look, I'm about to do something in Israel. And when anyone hears about it, both of his ears will tingle. And on that day I would carry out against Eli everything that I spoke against his house from start to finish. You should tell him that I'm about to judge his house forever because of the sin he knew of. For his sons were cursing God, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I swore an oath to the house of Eli. The sin of the house of Eli can never be forgiven by sacrifice or by grain offering. So Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. But Samuel was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. However, Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he replied, here I am. And Eli said, what message did he speak to you? Don't conceal it from me. God will judge you severely if you conceal from me anything that he has said to you. And so Samuel told him everything. He did not hold back anything from him. And Eli said, the Lord will do what he pleases. Samuel continued to grow, and the Lord was with him. None of his prophecies fell to the ground unfulfilled. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba realized that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. So I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 63. This is verse 1 through 9. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh also longs after you. In a barren and dry land where there is no water. Thus I have looked upon you in your holy place, that I may behold your power and glory. For your loving kindness is better than life itself. My lips shall praise you. As long as I live, I will magnify you and lift my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness when my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the watches of the night because you have been my helper Therefore, under the shadow of your wing, I will rejoice. My soul clings to you. Your right hand has upheld me. I will be reading from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. 
All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? I know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication, every sin that a man do, doeth is without the body. But he that cometh fornication sinneth against his own body. What? I know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body yes, and in your spirit, which are God's. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, so far we've read about the warning against ignoring the voice of the Lord. Uh, we have heard the, the worship of a psalmist in declaring God's goodness and how it just captures their hearts. And then we just read a New Testament passage about fleeing from the lifestyles that will not bring uh, God glory and honor and, and how we have a responsibility as those who have received His goodness, who have uh, received His grace, to walk in that. And so uh, I want to finish off the, the reading of the Scriptures uh, with John chapter 1, verses 43-51. through 51. And that's where we're going to spend our time together today. And so we love reading the Bible together. We love praying together. We love worshiping together. That's why we always try to have uh, something in the Old Testament, something in the New Testament, something in the Psalms, and then a, a gospel reading to kind of bring it all together. And so for us, we believe that Jesus is the one who brings everything together for us. And so um, let's read John chapter 1, uh, verses 43 through 51. On the next day, Jesus wanted to set out for Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. That's an important phrase that I want you to hold on to today. Verse 44 says, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the town of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael replied, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip replied, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and exclaimed, Look! a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus replied, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said to him, because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, you now believe you will see greater things than these. He continued, I tell all of you the solemn truth that you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Lord, would you open our eyes today to see your word? Lord, we've heard it today. Lord, maybe we've marked it in our Bibles or we've tried to remember it in our hearts, Lord. But may it illuminate our path today. And may it lead us and guide us closer to you. Lord, and just help us to reflect on these passages and not lose heart today. Open our eyes to see you in a greater way, Lord, and may your word continue to breathe the breath of life into us today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have you guys ever heard someone say something to you? Maybe they're giving you a story, or maybe they're providing some sort of anecdotal evidence of something, and they give you this, this story, and uh, because maybe of your experiences, or maybe because of just what they're saying, uh, we tend to, to be a little skeptical, right? Any skeptics in the room here, right? right? You guys aren't really sure if I'm really here right now, right? You gotta, it's like, it could be a hologram. Um, <laughs> Skeptical, these aren't, really, these aren't really pews, these are just facades, right? We don't know to what degree the skepticism goes, but all of us probably have a level of skepticism, and, and why is that? 
mostly because we've experienced things. Right? Uh, we have uh, been burned before. We have trusted something or someone and it didn't work out for us. Uh, we've heard somebody promise us this or try to sell us on this and it, and it didn't work. And so oftentimes we develop a, a healthy level of skepticism. Um, we're getting ready to walk into a season in our culture uh, where we are going to have uh, people seeking elected office uh, and people who are in office trying to get reelected uh, in those positions. And, and one of the things that we will see from those officials uh, is that they will say and do pretty much whatever they think it'll take for us, for us to vote for them. Um, and so we start to develop a little bit of skepticism when we hear uh, somebody promise this or promise that. Um, but they do it. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody's that way, but I do think that there are some individuals uh, that uh, because we have the benefit of history, we can say, well, you said this and then you did this, or you promised this and you didn't do that. And it starts to become a little bit of a, a pattern where you just develop a, a healthy skepticism towards uh, somebody telling you something. And maybe you've uh, encountered that uh, on a less you know, national scale. Maybe it's been at work, right? We have individuals that uh, have told you that they're going to do this or do that. Or maybe you have somebody who is great at telling stories, right? My children are great at telling stories. They will come to me and they'll say, Dad, you have got to come see what just happened, right? And they, they pose it in a way that makes me think something's on fire. <laughs> they broke a window. One of them's hanging out that window, one of them's missing. You know, all, all because of the way they portray it, right? Most of the time, uh, because they just, they don't have a full grasp on what emergencies look like. Um, to them, it's an emergency, right? So you never know <laughs> if they could, they could be, could have lit something on fire, um, could have busted a window. Um, so I always check because I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll just verify that this is not a real emergency. So I'll go and I'll check, right? Most of the time, uh, I go and I see that it's, it's not as much uh, uh, of, a, of an ordeal as they were making it out to be, that they probably were just trying to get my attention or, you know, thought that it was a bigger deal. And so, uh, you know, I explain it to them. Hey, thanks for showing me. You know, I talk through them and, and then we move on, right? But, so because that's happened quite a bit in our relationship, I've developed a little bit of skepticism. Um, and so I, I got to temper that sometimes because when they come to me, I'm like, what do you want now? Right? I just saw you 10 seconds ago. Nothing in your world could have changed that drastically right now. What is it? Um, but to them, they're, they're in that moment, right? Now, we all have experiences like that. Um, and so that's why we have that skepticism, right? In our culture, we call it realism, right? I'm not a skeptic. I'm just a realist. I just know how the real world works, man. Uh, and so society and, and culture and experiences have kind of taught us those things. And I mention all that to you today because in our text that we just read in John 1, we see an invitation. We see an invitation given to Philip. We see an invitation given to Nathaniel. Both of their responses were different. But when they experienced Jesus, that's really the thing that changed everything. And for us, I think there's an opportunity for us to see in this moment that we're in. As we talked last week, <clears throat> this year is a jubilee year, right? It started in September at Rosh Hashanah, right? But the, the, in, the, in the Hebrew calendar, the year 5784 is a, is a jubilee year. And so that symbol of those numbers has presented an image of this being the year of the open door, right? If you look at the Hebrew alphabet and you see all these numbers and, and the Paleo-Hebrew, that was the Hebrew that was spoken before they were in Babylonian captivity because a lot of their language got changed. And so when Paul makes reference to him being a Hebrew of Hebrews, why is he saying that? Is he, is he puffing himself up because he was like, the rest of you people are not really Hebrews. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Why is he saying that? He's saying that because he knew the original language prior to Babylonian captivity. <clears throat> and so that was a deal. You were like, a Hebrew of Hebrew is what they would call them, right? Because you hadn't uh, matriculated into some of the Chaldean Babylonian culture that changed the language, even the calendar system. You know, a lot of the 
the months in the Hebrew calendar are named after Canaanite, Chaldean, pagan gods. And, and, and so um, it's just you can see how that culture is infused in that, right? So somebody that knew the original language, that was a big deal because they knew what it was. So in that language, it was a number system. It was an alphabet, um, but it also was a pictograph. Like you guys ever seen like hieroglyphics? And so that's why Hebrew is such a phenomenal language is because when you understand the Paleo-Hebrew, it connects you, ironically, as a doorway to other languages, ancient languages. It's why it's the oldest language in existence today that still has an alphabet that's in use. Now, there are other languages that are arguably older, but it's the only one that has the same working alphabet, which is fascinating, right? For over thousands, 3,000 years, they've been using this language. So, when I hear something like 3,000 years I've been using this language, I, I, I start to put together some deductive reasoning, and I go, maybe they, they know a thing or two about the Hebrew language, right? Because they've been using it for thousands of years, right? So these numbers that they use to tie these things together, they happen all the time. And so this year is a year of the open door. And I think that's fascinating because as we walk through this year, I believe the Lord is inviting us to come and experience Him. God is inviting us to walk through the doors, right? When you look at the the Dalit in the Hebrew alphabet, it literally is an open door. It's the year of the open door, and it symbolizes this invitation for relationship, this invitation for victory, this invitation for new life. And so here's a prime example of what Jesus was offering in the lives of Philip and Nathaniel. So we're going to look at it today, and so we're going to take that phrase, come and see, we're going to tie that together uh, with uh, what the text has revealed to us today. And so the first point we see that Jesus provides for us is proactive pursuit. Say that ten times fast, right? Proactive pursuit, proactive pursuit, right? It starts to get a little tongue-tied, right? I'm challenging you guys today, right? Proactive pursuit by Jesus. What happens in the text? Jesus goes to Philip, doesn't he? And he tells Philip, follow me. It's not as if Philip one day wakes up and says, hey, where's Jesus? Let me go find him. We see a proactive endeavor by Jesus to pursue Philip. And that invites us to see something about the way he operates. When I was growing up, which uh, my birthday is this Thursday coming up, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's the next, next, next week is like a birthday week, right? I think uh, James Grimm's is the 13th. Yeah, Keith's is the 19th. Uh, mine's the 18th. Somebody else's birthday is the, that week. I know Elsa's is the 25th. It's the very next week. Yeah, the 13th. Is your birthday today? Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday! Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, James Groom, happy birthday to you. All right. Happy birthday, everyone. All right. So anyways, let's get back to this. All right. So we see in Jesus proactive pursuit. And that teaches us something, right? So I mentioned to you about my birthday. Uh, when I was growing up, there were events that we used to go to um, that were called Acquire the Fire. Uh, and it was put on by Team Mania, and Ron Luce was the leader there. And there was a song they used to sing. Uh, I remember it, that it was I Found Jesus, right? And, and it kind of had a little, a little nice, like, check, 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 I found Jesus beat to it. And I remember hearing that song, and it was always a profound song, right? But as you begin to unpack it theologically, it starts to become a little awkward where you're like, did I really find Jesus, or, or did he open my eyes to see him? Did he pursue me? Is he the one that, that is orchestrating this relationship, or, or did I make a decision here? Did I stumble upon something, um, and all of a sudden it's there? Um, you start to question. It doesn't mean that the song wasn't impactful, but you begin to challenge ourselves uh, with those thinkings as you study the way the Bible portrays how God works in our lives. And I've told you before about Psalm 23. And how the Hebrew term radaf is the term that is used for when a predator is pursuing a prey. 
right? So in Psalm 23 where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That it isn't actually saying that you'll be like, come on, come on, goodness and mercy. Come along with me. That it's the opposite. It's, it's as if God is a predator who is pursuing to, 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 to give us goodness and mercy. He's pursuing us as if a predator would pursue a prey. And so you get to see a sense of this, this proactive pursuit that it didn't just start with images in Psalm 23 or conversations with Philip. Earlier on in this chapter, it says that he literally humbled himself and came down and took up residence with us. Right? He did that. He was proactive in doing that. He didn't have to do that. He chose to humble himself and come down to the earth and take on flesh. And he literally pitched his tent. He tabernacled among creation. That's different. Nobody else has ever done that. It's always you have to go to them. You have to prepare yourself to get to them. And that was even the, the way that the relationship existed in the Old Testament, that they needed to prepare themselves, cleanse themselves. They needed to, to go through a mediator to get to the place. And even then, they couldn't ever fully experience the presence of God. But Jesus chose to come down and bring the presence of God to man. And in doing that, He made a way for us to be reunited. He's always been proactive in His pursuit of redemption. Always been proactive. And so what do we see here? This narrative begins with Jesus actively seeking Philip. And He's offering him a personal and a direct invitation. He says, follow me. Follow me. Now that phrase that I told you that we're going to focus on, that phrase of come and see, it really mirrors the essence of what Jesus shared with Philip. But he was giving them an invitation. Remember, this is an invitation. This is the year of the open door. God is inviting us to experience Him. God is inviting us to, to see Him, to feel His presence. This invitation is an open, a personal call to experience Jesus' presence and His teachings. And it reminds us, as well as a host of other passages in the Bible, that Jesus is the one that takes the initiative in our lives. He is the one. And I'm thankful for that. Right? I'm thankful that on days when I don't want to live for Him. Right? Did you know that's possible? <laughs> Did you wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I don't, I don't feel like devoting myself to the Lord today. It's why the Bible describes our journey, our faith journey, as if you were training for a marathon or, or you were working out or you were trying to, to get your physical body into shape because it, it all connects to this reality that daily relationship with the Lord takes effort. It takes work. That's our part, right? Now the Holy Spirit gives us victory in the sense that it walks with us through life, right? It's that paraclete, that one that comes alongside us. But Jesus is the one that initiates the relationship. He's the one that that opens our eyes to see Him. He's the one that breathes the breath of life into us through His Holy Spirit. And so it's an open, personal relationship. And so what is Jesus calling us into? This idea of invitation, what's He calling us into? I believe He's calling us into a deep, transformative relationship where we're willing to step into what He has for us because He's pursuing us today. So let's look at Philip and Nathaniel for a few moments. What happens when Jesus approaches Philip and he invites him to follow him? We see prompt proclamation by Philip. Prompt proclamation. Now, you guys know if you've ever attended our 9 o'clock service that we really, we really hone in on the real people, real love, real God moment of our scheduling because sometimes we start at 9. Sometimes we start at 9.05. Some days we've been exceptionally um, fellowship-oriented and, and tasked with things, and maybe it's been 9.15, 9.20, right? Um, that's not ideal, right? But sometimes it happens, right? And so uh, we're, we're getting better at that. And, but, but sometimes uh, that kind of idea uh, bothers somebody that, that prides themselves on being prompt, right? Like I grew up where my father... Uh, had in the opinion that if he wasn't 30 minutes early to everywhere he went, he was late. And so I can remember as a young child sitting in the truck with him 30 minutes before anything would open because my dad had to get there before anything would open, right? And so we'd just be sitting outside. That's just the way he worked, right? He was prompt about everything. They've done studies, actually, believe it or not, that millennials, 
right? We always blame it on the millennials, right? Millennials change the whole landscape, right? They're not, they're not, shh. They're not beholden to time constraints. They just kind of do their thing, right? It's less stressful. They're more productive because they have different rhythms. But that's difficult because there's, you know, the world functions this way, and then you got millennials changing the game, right? So it's definitely changed the landscape of things. But we get a glimpse of what it means to be prompt, right? To, 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 to do something right away, to, to be on time, to, to, to be quick about it, to not delay, to not uh, take your own time, right? And so when Philip is embracing Jesus' call, the Bible says that he promptly goes to talk to Nathaniel. He goes to Nathaniel to talk to him about Jesus. This is a profound idea to think about the very next moment of this. What does he do? <clears throat> he received an invitation from Jesus to follow him. What does he do? He invites Nathaniel to come and see as well. He invites him to come and see. <clears throat> and he does this because he has truly experienced Jesus. Now think about that in our own lives. What moments have we maybe squandered or maybe we've kind of taken them for granted when we have not been prompt to uh, proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ to someone? Sometimes it's as simple as us just praying with them uh, in a public establishment. Sometimes it's a coworker. Sometimes it's a, a friend, a neighbor. Sometimes it's just somebody at the gas station. There are so many different opportunities where God invites us to take this message and to proclaim it to those around us. But that's a challenge, right? Because we have to do it. We have to do it. We have to be prompt in doing that. We need to not delay in going forward. That's the message, right? We know the Great Commission was given to those that watched Jesus ascend and it was continued through the early church on throughout the history of the church and even today. This proclamation to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, after service today, uh, we're going to be baptizing Hallie. Uh, and so we're excited about that for what God is doing in her life. Um, Jerry and Meredith and her have, um, we allowed them to move to South Carolina. But we still occasionally throw... Uh, judgmental barbs back at them to bring it back. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we love them. They're thriving there. We love South Carolina. I have family in South Carolina. Um, the only thing I don't like about South Carolina are their football teams. Um, but other than that, it's a great place. Um, but they're here with us this weekend, and Hallie's going to be getting baptized, and it's going to be a wonderful thing for us to celebrate after, after service today. But that's what it means to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, as much as Philip was advised and invited to follow Jesus, he promptly understood he needed to go and tell somebody. Now what prompted that? Again, he experienced Jesus. But what are some of the challenges to that? I think the number one challenge is I think we are afraid of what somebody's going to say. Or that maybe if we invite them to come and experience Jesus, that they might not have a good experience. Because we haven't always had great experiences, right? And so sometimes we're like, I don't know if I want to ask them to come because some of these people are nuts. Right? So you're like, I don't know, right? The, the, the beautiful thing about it is, is I think we oftentimes in those moments forget a pivotal truth that we should never sh sell short what God can do with our obedience. Who are we to think that the creator of heavens and earth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, can't take my simple act of obedience and inviting somebody to come and experience Jesus, to come and, and experience what it means like to be a part of His kingdom, and not think that God can take that and use that to open their eyes to see Him. Who am I to say that? Who am I? Philip didn't know what he was going to do. If you had spent any time with Jesus, you know you don't always know what Jesus was going to do. Large crowds would come and listen to Jesus, and Jesus would say something crazy, and then they'd, they'd leave, and His disciples would go, dude, 
Why do you keep saying things that run people off? And he uses it to teach him lessons on what he's really trying to draw people into. It's not the miracles and all the other ancillary things, but it's, it's him. Do you want him, right? And he asked that famous question to his uh, disciples. Are you going to leave me too? And what, what did Peter say? Where else can we go? You have the very words of life. And so he's inviting us to step through and to trust him that even if we think, man, if I, if I ask this person, it's, I'm not necessarily concerned that they reject it. What if they say yes? And what if they walk in the doors and then we have to engage with somebody new? And we have to start it all over again. we got to clean things and we got to make sure things are put up right and we got to make sure that we're on our best behavior because they're wanting to see whether or not we are going to... Yeah, love them. Are we going to love them? That's why our greatest desire as a church is to provide a space for people to come in. We don't always get it right, but here's the one thing that we love about being able to fellowship together. That there are no gimmicks to when it comes to being a community of faith. You know what the Bible says that they devoted themselves to? The apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. You know what that means? Everything else we do is just kind of a choice, right? Are you doing that? Then you are functioning in the way that God wants you to function. Making a space for people to come together. And so we have meals. We are so thankful that we have um, breakfast in between our two services. And I'm sure you guys are thankful for that. Can we give them a round of appreciation for all those who cook for that? Right? Best, I see people talk about banana bread. I'm like, you guys don't have a clue what banana bread is until you've had ours, right? We love moments of fellowship together. We love celebrating together. We love breaking bread together. We love studying the Bible together. We love worshiping together. We love praying together because that's what it makes up our time together. That makes us the body of Christ. That makes us uh, a group of people who are continuing the enduring truths that have been passed on to us from those around us. So it's not, not about gimmicks, right? We shouldn't be afraid. Well, I don't know that we do this well enough or we do this well enough or I don't think we do this well enough. Listen, do you preach Jesus? Do you provide a space for people to feel loved and to experience Him, to come and see Him? It's not about what you do. Or you, Siri, stop talking to me. You confounded electronic device. Powered off. She has been vocal. It's like a new year, new, new like, dynamic in our relationship. Like, you, you be quiet. You be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I have to lay it down to the altar today and just... Yeah. We can't think that God can't overcome things like that. I struggle with that all the time, right? Because I'm always like, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. And what I've learned as I continue to grow in ministry that it is less about people getting to know me and more about people getting to know Jesus. And so I don't want anybody to go, man, this or that. I want them to go, you know, I really felt God's presence today. I felt like God was speaking to me. I felt like I heard God. And I felt like I, I saw God and I saw God moving. Those, that's what draws people. It's the best advice I ever got when I was a young minister. If you make it about Jesus, people will follow. People will come. And that's all I ever want to do. I want to make it about Jesus. And I think that should be our goal. When we, when we invite people to come and see, we know who He is because we've experienced it. We need to be prompt in that. Because at times, there are going to be people that fulfill what Nathaniel did. And they're going to be pensive about their perspective. And so we see the pensive perspective of Nathaniel. Right? We see Jesus' proactive pursuit. Philip's prompt proclamation. And now we see Nathaniel's pensive perspective. What does he say when Philip says, you got to come and see. you got to come and meet him. It's the person that the prophets and Moses talked about. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What does Nathaniel say? Does anything good come from Nazareth? you got to be kidding me, man. Like, why would I come to this person who's from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Right in our world today, it would be the equivalent of us... Um, and engaging with, we, we, did a, we did a little geography quiz um, uh, in the 9 o'clock service, and I'm going to give you guys some opportunity to excel uh, in that because we've got to turn in these reports to the state, you know, for all of our testing scores. But 
Um, do you guys know the names of the seven cities that make up Hampton Roads? Come on. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Beautiful. Good job. <laughs> right, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Suffolk, Hampton, Newport News, right? Yeah. 757. Listen, we love Hampton Roads. I love Hampton Roads. Um, I love all of it, right? I, and I, I, if you live here long enough, you, you get to experience it, right? But we made jokes Wednesday about uh, certain people having certain opinions about certain cities within Hampton Roads and, and uh, choosing not to, to go to those places out of fear and, and concern about the barren wilderness that they're going to encounter. And, and it's really comical at times because you're like, dude, it's literally five miles from where you live. Like, I'm on the east side. I'm on the west side, right? It doesn't change that much, right? There are some differences and there are some pockets, but it's basically the same. We are Hampton Roads, right? There are different cultures and subsets that are in there, but it's all uh, different, right? So if we, if we look at this and try to contemporize what Nathaniel was saying is he was like, hold up. You're trying to tell me that the Messiah is going to come from Nazareth? <laughs> Nothing good comes from there. Right? So what does Philip say to him? Right? The best response he could ever say to him. Come and see. Come and see. Right? You know, I, I had a lot of bad experiences before uh, with churches. And, you know, I did this or I did that. And you know, I just decided to, to do this. And I don't really know. You're inviting me to, to come to church. You're inviting me uh, to, to explore what a relationship with this Jesus would look like. And, you know, I have all these questions and all these things. And I don't know what to do. And I think we have the same opportunity that Philip does to not try not to, to convince them that they need to come to Jesus. Just, just bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus and let Jesus do what only he can do. Open their eyes, right? It's what he said, right? I have come to set the captives free, to bring liberty to those that were in bondage, healing to those that were oppressed, right? This is the year of the open door. God is providing for us an opportunity and an invitation to come and experience him. So we can't be afraid, even with those that are pensive and those that are afraid and those that have trepidation and those that have had bad experiences. We need to say, just come and see. Philip didn't know what he was going to say. So Jesus encounters Nathaniel. And he starts out as a skeptic, right? So many of you probably were starting out as a skeptic. And hopefully by now you know that I'm here. I'm real. That this is really happening. That we're just not just a cog and, and some, that we're really here. Um, but Nathaniel went from a skeptic to a believer. And what, what changed in his life? He met Jesus. He met Jesus, right? Jesus spoke to him the words of life. So he went from saying, can anything good come from Nazareth to you truly are the Messiah. And it changed everything. And Jesus gave him a promise and gave all those that were there a promise. And for us, we can even re re understand this promise for us that it gives them a promise of phenomenal possibilities. You know, the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples that you're going to do greater things than I did because I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father praying for you. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within us. Right, that we're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have been given everything we need for life and godliness. He has put it all together for us. And he promised his disciples, I will be with you always. Always. And so he promises them these phenomenal possibilities. And if you do enough research in history, you know there's an interesting caveat to those promises of grandeur that Jesus gives them. Do you know most of the disciples died a martyr's death? Right? Seems kind of strange, right? That you'd promise these phenomenal things. And then I end up being martyred because of it. I think if we look at the story of how God established and how His church grew, it wasn't because people were seeking after earthly blessings. They realized that they had encountered something supernatural. Something that was 
divine, something that was transcendent, something that was sovereign. They had encountered the Lord of creation. The very Word made flesh. And it changed their lives. It's why all of them gladly laid down their lives for the cause of Christ. They wouldn't have done that had they thought He was just a good teacher. Right? Because His reputation, where He came from, what He looked like, His circumstances of coming into the world were not reputable. By all stretch of imaginations, Jesus would have been an outcast. And there would have been terms used for Him. But for Him to be the Word of life made flesh for us, that revelation changed everything for those that believed. Now, interestingly enough, there were phenomenal things that happened on the earth. The Bible says that there weren't enough libraries in the world to contain all the miracles that Jesus did. Right? When Jesus died, what happened? Dead people started coming out of the grave. Right? Can you imagine, like, Uncle Rico, where you been at? Like, <laughs> mijo, it's been three years and you have not come to dinner. Like, you're faking your death again? Okay, right? It was crazy, right? Dead people were coming out of the graves. And the Bible doesn't talk about what happened. Like, if it was like, you know, kind of like a Moses fleeting glory kind of thing, or if they just were like, here we are, guys. I guess I got another chance at this, right? But the veil, we know the veil tore from the temple, the top to the bottom, and it signified that we had access. We had an open door. We had an invitation now to come and experience God's presence. Jesus was telling them that you are going to be able to experience me in a greater way than you ever have before. You believe in me because I knew where you were under the fig tree. I'm telling you that you're going to experience so much glory. An overwhelming, amountable weight of glory that you can't even com- com- compare or, co- or comprehend. That's what you're going to experience in me. And that's what we have an opportunity today to experience in him. And so how do we do that, right? Because he's clearly not here with us right now. Philip could say, hey, and come see him. Just come see him. So we're like, well, what do we do today? Well, here's the blessing of what we have in us communing together, in us worshiping together, in us devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings, and us gathering together. When we do that, there is a convergence of heaven and earth. The term that we use is called the communion of saints. You and I commune together, but we also are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And we also have the way of interacting. As we are worshiping the Lord here, they are worshiping Him around the throne. As we are being sustained and as we are being fed on Him through His body and blood, through the Spirit of God, supernaturally, they are being sustained and fed eternally through Him who reigns on the throne forever as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are one in Him and we are one with Him. So I can tell you today, His presence is here. His presence is here. We can feel Him. You can, you, you can experience His new life today. You can experience His presence today. And so I want to pray with you. And I want us to think about what God is speaking to our hearts today. What kind of truth is He revealing to us? We know He's promised us. And we cling to that hope. We cling to that hope that one day He's going to return and everything's going to be made right. We cling to the hope of the resurrection. And we rejoice in the moments we have to celebrate. And it's the glimpses that we have of what eternity will look like with Him. But as we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb to partake and to be a part of His family, to be a part of His body, to walk together in Him and with Him, let's just give Him a few moments to just speak to our hearts today. Lord, we recognize that we see through a glass dimly. We don't have all the answers. Lord, we don't always know what you're trying to say to us. Lord, this is a faith journey. This is a time of faith. It's a time of us stepping out and and getting out of the boat and, and being able to walk into these deep waters with you. To walk through the open doors that you are providing for us and to know that it is a pathway of righteousness. That you are calling and leading us into that, Lord. So Lord, may you open our eyes today to your truth. Or may we experience your presence today. May we experience your new life. May you 
Open our eyes and restore us and renew us and revive us today, Lord. Lord, as we fellowship together, as we dwell together, Lord, let us be mindful of what You have provided for us. You have come to give us life, life more abundantly. So Lord, may we be humble today in our understanding that, Lord, we have fallen short at times. We have not served You like we needed to. We have not lived for You, Lord, like we need to. And all of us are guilty of that. But Lord, I pray that You would, in Your infinite wisdom and Your infinite love, that You would continue to pour out Your grace in our lives and pour out Your love upon us, Lord. Would You continue to dwell in our midst and would You continue to lead us and guide us today as we join together as one body, as we commune with You and commune with each other, Lord, as we reflect on these truths, Lord. May You draw us together. May Your unity abound in our lives and may Your truth abound, Lord, in our hearts. And may You open our eyes and lead us, Lord, and guide us today. May You bring healing, Lord. May You bring deliverance and victory today. Lord, You are the God of victory. You have come to set the captives free. You have come to bring liberty to those who are oppressed and those who are brokenhearted, God to bind up our wounds, God. By your stripes, God, by your wounds, we can receive healing. And we thank you for that today. And God, we ask today that you would just encourage us as we encourage one another today and prepare our hearts to receive, Lord, and to experience you and to walk through these divine mysteries, God, and these moments of supernatural encounters, God, with you and these times of prayer and our times of sacrament, Lord, and our times of worship. Lord, may you speak to us. May we feel your presence. May you encourage us today as we encourage each other and offer each other peace and grace and love. Lord, we thank you today for all that you do for us. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we do that for a few moments today? Uh, just for a couple of minutes as we prepare to receive today. Can you just go around and greet one another, offer each other peace, uh, just bless one another as we prepare our hearts this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the joy of community, Lord. For the privilege we have to have each other, Lord, and to be together in our communion with You. Lord, may You just continue to be glorified today. Lord, we thank You that when we were dead in our sins, when we didn't have life, Lord, You opened our eyes to see You. And You did something about it, Lord. You sent Your Son to give us life. Lord, we thank You today that we can celebrate today the memorial of our redemption. That we can celebrate today and that we can rejoice that these moments, Lord, are sacred. They are holy moments, Lord, where we can commune with You. So we pray that You would sanctify, Lord, this bread, Lord, and these cups, Lord, to be for us your people, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, may you sanctify our hearts to receive it today. To walk in faith and to trust you, Lord, as we commune with you today and with each other. Would your presence be made known to us today. And may you reveal to us, Lord, your mysteries. And may we cling to them today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and having given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup and having given thanks, he said, this is my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so Lord, we thank you today for these gifts that come from you, for us, your people, God. And may you continue, Lord, to sanctify us in our hearts 
and continue to consecrate us, Lord, to be your hands and feet. Lord, would you be present today in the breaking of our bread? As you were the night you broke it with your disciples. Would we feel your presence, God, and may you bring victory today. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we've received already. Lord, may we walk in that today as we commune with you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask today that you would continue to be with us as we pray the words that you were taught us to pray, God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 I'm going to have some of our staff come up and serve us today. What we do is we have, I'll be in the center and I will offer you uh, the bread of heaven, the body of Christ, and Tim and Heather will be on either side uh, and they will have uh, the cups for you to, to take, the cup of salvation, the blood of Christ. And they will also have these little bowls that if you want to go ahead and, and take it, you can put these, your cups in the bowl and then Selena and Joseph and, and Diana will, are here to pray with you. And we want you to take advantage of these opportunities to pray because uh, we believe that the Lord is here, that His presence is here. And the best answer I can give to you uh, for all of your questions, maybe you're pensive about what to do here, is to come and see and experience God's presence. I know He's here in this place. And so would you give me a few moments just to serve those who are going to serve us today? And then I'm going to invite you to come down and let's partake together. Joseph Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.